3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. It's okay to be scared. I'm scared too. Boyles and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio.
1: Well, hello, howdy, and hi there. My name is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leah, welcome to your Boo Crew Podcast, episode 398. I'm trying my best not to sound like a used car salesman or a game show host, which someone commented on Apple Podcasts. You can leave your review over at Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so much. It helps the show get found, and we just like connecting with you in that way. At time of release, hope you had an awesome Labor Day weekend and spent it with some great horror movies. I know over at the Shand household, my 14-year-old terror scarlet did a rewatch of jennifer's body i think gosh she must have seen it like five or six times at this point and i've been doing this thing where i look for tiktoks with the tag horror movies that are actually scary and i go down any rabbit hole that includes the films lake mungo the taking of deborah logan house of the devil and it follows it's got to be at least two of those on the list and then i'm in One movie I discovered for myself and actually I've heard of people mention this and I've just never got around to seeing it But I keep seeing it on these lists. It's Gangeum Haunted Asylum. I'm probably butchering that name But wow, that that, that was amazing and I watched it back to back with another film called Grave Encounters And the two have the found footage aspect of a paranormal internet TV show Both of these are movies where right after you watch them and you got to somehow get from wherever your TV is to your bedroom, if you're not watching it in bed, which you could just hide under the covers and enough said. But if you got to get from point A to point B, you know you're making a run down the hall, and you keep looking behind you thinking that something from that movie is going to be standing there in the shadows. Strong recommend if you haven't seen them already. I'll keep you posted as we add to the list of good ones here. Another good one, actually fantastic one, the main event for this episode the nun 2 is released only in theaters on september 8th and we celebrate its awesomeness with returning guest michael shoves he steps into the confessional to take you down the cobblestone streets of france and dimly lit abbeys for the sequel to the most successful film in the entire conjuring universe hear about taissa farmiga and jonas Bloquet reuniting with their fantastic characters in a horrifying and fun way explore the stunning choreography of terror and the brilliant performance from bonnie aarons as she brings to life once again one of the most iconic evils in cinema history where does this all fit in in the timeline of the conjuring universe how do they do that magazine gag from the trailer why is valak so awesome so many questions See if your prayers are answered with episode 398 and Michael Shav's Now slaying.
0: Go ahead, Scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy.
1: Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew in the Speakeasy Studio is a visionary filmmaker and returning guest of the show, earning a degree in film and production at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. He's made commercials, documentaries, and the spectacular award winning short The Made In in 2016 which is a must watch. In fact, you can stop this right now if you haven't heard, uh, seen it. Go watch it on Vimeo. Come back. It's about nine minutes long, and it is seriously that good. In 2019, he was selected to direct the absolutely terrifying video for Bury a Friend by the now seven-time Grammy-winning Billie Eilish. Besides starting a whole new trajectory in style and cinematic music video creation, the nightmarish vision was integral in defining an entire era for the singer earning almost 500 million views and helping her earn her first number one on the Billboard charts, making history. That same year, his singular approach to world-building tone and menace commanded the attention of James Wan who thrust him into the highest grossing horror franchise of all time, The Conjuring Universe. This was done through the lens of its sixth installment, the stunning award-winning Curse of La Llorona. He was brought back to helm 2021's Conjuring The Devil Made Me Do It that was instrumental in the return of the theatrical experience, having the biggest R-rated opening of the entire pandemic. His latest brings him back to The Conjuring Universe once again, now having directed more of the films within it than anyone else associated, including James Wan himself, The Nun 2 finds sister Irene and Frenchie four years after the events of the first film as they once again come face to face with one of the most malevolent and iconic forces, in cinema history, Valak, The Demon Nun. Only in theater September 8th, we are incredibly honored to welcome back its creator, Mr. Michael Schaafs. Yeah, my man. Thank
4: you, guys. Oh, my gosh. What an incredible intro. I'm like, I want to meet that guy. He sounds really accomplished.
1: Like, he's done some stuff. He, yeah, exactly. He has. He has, man. Well, again, thank you so much for spending time with us to celebrate another extraordinary project. How does it feel to have another milestone kind of being the official opener to what is essentially the first real Halloween season since 2019? Oh, uh, you know, I'm so
4: proud of it. I I really, I love this movie. It's, uh, you love your movies. You love all the stuff. Like you love your children, you know, it's <laughs> like, they're like your little babies, but it's like, and so it's hard to say one's a favorite, but this is my favorite. <laughs> I'm, I'm really proud of this. It's, uh. You know, I, I think I had a blast making it. And it was one of those things that um, I was supported by a great crew. We shot in France. It was the south of France. I mean, it was, you know, I brought my family there, which was just oh, an incredible great. experience. It's kind of one of those dream experiences where you're like, oh, it'd be cool to be a director, one. And then two, it'd be like cool to be shooting in a cool location. And yeah. honestly, you can't beat France and the south of France. And we went there for six months and
1: oh my god, just had
4: like an an epic experience. And
1: Yeah. Oh, did the wow. kids have to go to school there at the time or was it over summer or winter? What was that? What was the situation? You know, my wife uh, homeschooled them. And oh, so great. that was that was great. Yeah. Um, and you bless know, they, her. Yeah. Bless seriously. Her. Wow. Oh
4: yeah. And she works full time, too. So she was like working remotely. And I don't even know how she's she's still recovering. She is still yeah. like, catching up on sleep <laughs> from that. And were you shooting during the pandemic? Um, no, no. It was after. Well, I guess are, is, is the pandemic done? I mean, we, we had to wear masks. Quotes, That's the, the crazy unquote, thing. Yeah. Is, so yeah, we sh- started shooting um uh, summer of last year and then it went into um into the winter. Got it. And uh we've been just, you know, doing post and finishing up this this past year and uh it's
1: brought us up to this point. Wow. So we were fortunate enough we were talking briefly about it to be at this special fan screening that happened here in downtown LA. It was it was unbelievable. I was wondering if you could it, it, walk anyone through the experience kind of the setup of what was going on to premiere this movie to the fans and how special that felt kind of being the first real time you could actually do this like this in a cinema since 2019 basically.
4: Yeah. You know, it's, you know, we're in such a unique situation right now just because of the, uh, because of the strikes. Yes. So we couldn't have, um, everyone was really sensitive. Like, you know, we couldn't have a traditional premiere. We couldn't have a premiere with the actors and and the writers. Um, So, you know, the question came up about what, what would we do? And, um, and, you know, we're coming up, this is 10 years from the first Conjuring film. Mm -hmm. The Conjuring universe has been around 10 years. And um, I started just throwing around the idea of like, I'd love to just do something that's like, totally fan centric, that this would be an event that's, you know, it's not because premieres are always about like patting yourself on the back yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) in a way. And I was like, you know, this is like, you know, we're 10 years into it. Like I owe my career to the Conjuring universe. And you know, the I am started out as a fan, and the idea that you know we're here really, you know, because of the fans that they have supported this for for all these years. I really wanted to do something that celebrated that. So that's kind of we started rolling with that, and then it just developed, and um, it became the uh, the night that it did. But it was a really it was a really cool experience. You know, it was great to just you know be surrounded by people who loved the the the
1: series and. It was great. Yeah. And and that kind of cavalcade of demon nuns that basically attacked everybody in the audience was insane. (laughs) It was so cool. There was like a, what what is it called? Like a procession? Procession. Procession. Yes. Yes. It was a procession of all these nuns. And you couldn't see their faces and they were holding candles and they were going down all the aisles and they were standing there and this the haunting music was playing and they were scaring people. It was so awesome. And then right in front of you on this, this beautifully lit screen with these red velvet curtains was the face of Valak, the demon nun, Bonnie Aaron's herself in full glory. With and, all
2: these red lights. Yeah, exactly. I, I loved how many people dressed up as Valak. Yes, people were like, coming dressed up as plagues, nuns and Valak. And, oh. It was amazing. Yeah. That's what I wanted to wear.
0: Yeah.
2: But my wife
4: wouldn't let me. I was, I was totally... I had my, my Valak cosplay, and she was like, you're not leaving the house like that.
1: So. And early reviews have been... Obviously, deservingly insane for this. They've been glowing. Every single one of them has been saying the scares are upped in extraordinary ways. The story is fantastic. It's more an intense of a ride, and really, we could not agree more. However, I want to also mention that that is no way a slight to what Corin did with the first one. We are huge fans of that one as well. It's a gothic, atmospheric masterpiece. A completely different experience. What was the advantage of having such a beautiful setup like that. How did you use that to empower yourself going into this one?
4: Yeah. You know, I owe a lot to, to corn. I mean, that was the, I, I don't think people realize what a big swing that was mm. in the conjuring universe. I think up to this point, the conjuring movies had been these uh, basically a variation of the haunted house formula and the, the idea and also all set in America and the yeah. idea that he was going to take this and basically do like a Bram Stoker's Dracula. First of all, corn is amazing yeah, and you know, he is such a good, you know, <laughs> consider him a friend. I think he's just so talented. Um, and it was like, so up his alley to do something that had that kind of cool lush, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula vi- vibe. Um, and he did a great job with it. And I think that that was something that I really enjoyed. And I, I really think that it was It was so, and I think fans. I mean, it's the most successful Conjuring film, and I think fans really responded to that. And I think it shows like they have that like need for the Gothic horror, and then also within the kind of the world of of the Conjuring, I think that really resonated. Um, It's so you know I I was really excited because I think that you know at at its core it's like you got an incredible villain, and I think that that was one of those things that. i love bonnie and i love the character that she created it's like she's such a iconic you know horror movie villain i mean it's it's amazing the you know we're in your recording studio and your house is like you know a shrine to like these great horror icons and it's like i feel like that about bonnie i think that she is like up on a pedestal with you know some of the best you know horror villains of of all time so that was i think one of the big reasons that i i was drawn to it and um and then i totally forgot your question i don't
1: even no, know I that's was, like great. No, up, you... i was just so thinking about like what a great job corn do huh? yeah <laughs> no you hit you hit <laughs> on everything beautifully uh, backing up a little bit how did the whole opportunity come up and when did your name kind of start being tossed around to take the helm of this one
4: you know i think it was something it was it was after conjuring 3 i was developing a couple different uh, projects and it was something that new line just called and um they floated it out to me and and um you know at first i was not sure if i wanted to jump into another conjuring movie um, but I really like the nun. And I also love the the they had a script that was um the first draft was written by Akela Cooper and yeah. she's so talented. She's she wrote a really great draft and um even though we developed things in the movie there's so much of it even when we took it in other directions in development I, I inevitably would come back to that because I think it really made and had an impact on me and she just did a great a great job with that script. And so that sucked me and I was like, "Okay, I love the script. I love the villain and you know, those are like the the essentials. And then, you know, the last thing is, you know, I had become friends with Corinne as I was doing La Llorona and he was doing the nun. And then I saw, um, you know, I saw him working with, uh, with and Jonas. Mm -hmm. Um, they were doing like a pickup on, um, on the lot and, and I got to meet them and they're amazing too. Thais and Jonas were like, and they had such a great relationship together. Um, and I was like, Oh, that seems like a really cool set. They seem like really cool people. And I'd like, I'd love to be working with people like that. Um, I've been really lucky to be said, I've been really lucky with all my cast. I you know, they're, like everybody I've worked with has been uh, some degree of awesome. And they were, um, you know, that was also kind of one of the calculus because, you know, you're on these movies for so long. Yeah. And um, and so much of it is like it does, you know, it's like there's the kind of this is like the wish fulfillment. This is like the dream, from, you know, and I'm so happy to be doing this. Also, though you get like you know thirty, forty days in you it becomes the job, and then you're you really just have to make sure that the people you're working with are you 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 love seeing every day and you really love showing up to work with. and they're that type of people like they're so they're just so awesome, they got a great energy, they love. I actually T- Tice is terrified
3: of that's, what, I, yeah, that's yeah.
1: what i've heard about her but yeah. <laughs> that's a great thing right yeah be, <laughs> <laughs> no totally and so like when she's scared i'm thinking is she like
4: legitimately yeah. scared or is Probably. it like she's just channeling like this, this um, she actually has an amazing process which is like a whole a whole nother thing but like really? she was great and then jonas is great he's so passionate and he's also so fun and they actually have this like weird almost like these kind of mirror images of the Warrens, you know, she obviously, you know, Vera's sister, she looks just like yeah. Vera. And then he kind of has that, like, he looks a little bit like Patrick and they like, there's something about them that they're almost like the mirror images of the, the conjuring. And so like, it, and I didn't realize that until I started working with them. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's like the same movie with these
1: same. That people. is so <laughs> cool. That's From awesome. your perspective, what was, what was it like to watch them reconnect with those characters? You know, they were instrumental in creating. They they
4: loved it. I mean, they also have like a great friendship. I mean, when they were working on set, it was kind of like, you know, kids at camp or, you yeah. know, you could see that they had this incredible history together and they were so energized to to be working together again. Um, and, uh, and, and I think they really liked where we took the characters i mean i i really loved in the in the first nun i think that they had this like really cool chemistry where there's a little bit of flirtation he's a little bit of a dog and then she's obviously becoming a nun and you know she doesn't want you know even if there's an energy there she can't like you know it's it's the thing that could never happen and i was like that's great you know that's a really cool thing that they they developed in that and so i thought what was great with this is like just a chance to take the characters further and to just see how that that story develops and and then, you know, well, what happens? We all know in the last one that he gets possessed. And, you know, well, what, you know, where, where does these, where do they, where does it go from there? Yeah.
1: What role does James Wan, uh kind of have in steering the trajectories of these characters? Or does he kind of leave it, leave their evolution in the hands of the directors and writers who go on with it?
4: You know, he gave us a lot of flexibility. I mean, he's ultimately, he's the Stan Lee of the universe. I mean, yeah. it's like that. He, there cannot be his impact and on the universe cannot be understated. And there's only like a couple universes that exist Mm -hmm. (laughs) successfully. And Mm -hmm. it's like, he's created one of them. Um, And uh, so, you know, he, he always, uh, you know, has the, it's always been his design uh, to keep consistent with our timeline. And the timeline was set up um, basically, I think between, I wasn't a part of it, but it was between, you know, conjuring one and two um, Frenchie's exorcism is a pivotal moment in the Conjuring universe. That was, we see it in the first one. We yeah. see, we see it more and we know of Alex connected to it in the second one. Um, and that is, and that's, you know, at a later date and after, you know, the, the events of this movie. So it was always part of that design that, that he set up very early on Wow. Um, that we're always kind of moving towards this kind of one kind of center point in the universe. Um, but beyond that, I think that there was you know, he gives a lot of freedom and I think he gives it to all the directors he works with. And, um, and it's at this point, I, and, you know, also credit to, to new line. I think it's like they, they've been incredibly supportive and, um, and really just open to the things I've wanted to do. Right.
2: Did anybody come in and bless the set before? I've heard that this happens. Every
4: day. Every day. Because it got increasingly more evil. <laughs> yeah. And so you needed to ramp up. It became an arms race. A blessing and evil. Are you being serious? Are you being serious? Was there? I mean, it got it. No. Well, <laughs> we did one blessing in the beginning. It is absolute. But there was a blessing. Con- there was a blessing. Yeah. In Conjuring tradition, there's always a blessing at the beginning of the... Um, of it, and we actually our first day of shooting was at the church in of the in the opening. So the opening there's like the events of yeah. the the opening, which are kind of there's a horrific uh, incident that happens there. That's that was basically our first scene that we were shooting, and we had a church uh, a priest come in. That's actually not a functioning church; it's been a decommissioned church, basically because what we wanted to do in there, there's no like the Catholic church. Oh yeah, yeah, no and way. And even the like it even became very difficult to to shoot in there just because the town was hearing what we were going to do. Sure. And they were like, uh, no, this is like a tourist attraction church. You can't like have this, like make this famous for like, this horrific, <laughs> like yeah. blasphemous act. um, but yeah, 100% we start with a blessing. That's always one of the, the conjuring traditions. And, um, and yeah, I'll probably do that even on my non, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Movies, now it's know? like a good luck thing.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Would you say there's a creative shorthand, you know, now helming three conjuring universe movies that is consistent in that universe. Is there kind of a, I don't know, a common denominator that is applied to all that kind of, I think that you're always trying
4: to, you know, I started out as a fan. I saw this, like the first one, just like everyone else. And you know, it's part of it is just, you're always trying to think about it from a fan perspective and you always want it to be surprising. Like it can't totally take a left turn and become a, a different movie, you know, You have to, it has to be a conjuring movie at, at its core. Um, but within that, I think that they're, you're always looking for something else. You're always looking for something strange or weird because I think, you know, being scared, it's a, there's the element of surprise and there's the element of the unknown. And I think that that's always a tricky balance. It's like you're trying to deliver on something that, you know, this core DNA that, you know, I fell in love with and millions of people fell in love with. And what is that core experience? But then also trying to you know, create sequences and scares that you haven't seen before.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To evolve the series, which is what you've done in spades on this one, man. Oh, thanks. I wanted to know that religion has this awesome way in immersing us in the mystical and magical and horror, uh, but at the same time grounding it in actual real life history. And you can look no further than the Indiana Jones movies to kind of see how that's uh, incorporated. What storytelling power do you think exists in that aspect of the human experience? I mean, we've were terrified of the exorcist and movies like this were things that could be real.
4: Yeah, no, I think that that's one of those things. I think that there's so much of horror and these mo- horror movies that that center around the supernatural yeah. are these stories of faith. And I think it kind of taps into, you know, a desire. Like I love the molder, um, <laughs> i want to believe yes, yes you know the the idea and i think that's like you know i was raised catholic and i think that there's something with the supernatural is like it comes from just like a deep desire to believe in something and you know the and also i think that's the it's the the push pull of like you want to believe but you also want to be terrified and you you want it to not be real so it's like the the i, I think that that is really uh, you know i don't know it's a space that i'm always drawn to i think that that was one of those things that you know, in the elements of our movie, I don't know if we can get into spoilers or if that you know matters, but the you know there's like some some real historical elements in our movie yes. that were not there in the first draft. Like, a draft was like oh, off the charts, awesome, wow. like wow, but it didn't have the, it. It had a saint in there that was a fictionalized saint, and I was just like, oh, I don't know about that. It just something about it just felt a little, especially because I was raised Catholic, and it's like, yeah, I know, like we got a million saints, yeah. you know, that's so yeah, yeah. like, we are not short on saints. gotta be
1: one in there. Yeah.
4: And they all died horrifically. That's yeah. kind of like the, the core of being a saint. So I'm like, it's like the perfect fodder for a horror movie. And it, it, you know, it, it evolved into a conversation that I was just randomly having with, um, David Leslie, David Leslie Johnson, who, you know, he wrote conjuring three and conjuring two. And, you know, he's one of the kind of the brain trusts of the, of the conjuring universe in a lot of ways. And a very awesome guy and talented writer. Um, and we just were kicking around the idea. And he was like, you know, you should do something with St. Lucy. You know, it's like the imagery. So, you know, horrific. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, of course. And that's like, you know, Guillermo del Toro was, was inspired by St. Lucie for the the monster in Pan's Labyrinth, yes. the, the monster with the the eyes on its hands. At least I suspect because it's like such, you yeah. know, I know he has like, you know, lots of Catholic um you know, inspiration. But I was like that, that image always grabbed me. And, you know, when DLJ said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. We should totally do that. And then the more that I read up on her, um, cause I only really knew her from the the pictures with the, yeah. the hands on her eyes. Yeah. I thought, I don't know, is this, I didn't know much. Was she a saint afflicted with eyes on her hands? Is that what it was all about? <laughs> but it's like the, the, the story of, you know, her, um, of her torture and all of that, I was I was like, this is so compelling, and I was we, I was like, this has got to get into the movie.
2: Oh yeah, man, I'm the, so glad you picked that. I loved you it. Googled it yeah, the after. whole ride back. I'm like,
1: oh my god, it's real. Oh <laughs> yeah,
2: my god, it's like it's a real thing. <laughs>
1: Based on a true story.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's like the kind of the promise of the core conjuring movies. Yes. It's like what makes this so exciting is the Warren case files, and yes. and I think that you know the nun is like I think in a wonderful way it's been this great departure from that, but I think at, at its core you want these things to pull you back in and be like no this is real yeah you bring it back elements in it and like that I, i don't know that really resonates with me that always hits a chord
2: did anything creepy happen on the set that wasn't planned
4: well, two people got murdered. <laughs> and we have not talked about it, but I, I feel like this could be the perfect venue. We have not oh, yeah. found the bodies. Oh, I mean, no. so a lot of it is just theory, oh. but they disappeared. And I asked Bonnie, I said, Bonnie, have you seen them? And she was like, Nope. <laughs> they're, you know, very, no, they're wildly Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie. She, but I, I don't know. I feel like there's something there, and I don't want to point fingers, but...
1: (laughs) Go to the nun, too. See if you can solve the mystery. All right, well, I want to talk about some of the new characters that you've kind of surrounded us with, too. They're all awesome. We got Storm Reed, Anna Popplewell, Caitlin Rose Downey. What do they bring to the Conjuring universe that makes them unique?
4: Yeah, I I love our new characters. I love our entire cast. I think uh, Storm's great in that she's, you know, just this... uh, I love with a lot of the main characters. We kind of just did a little twist on them, where yeah. you know, um, uh, Thaisa's, you know, uh, Irene in the beginning. She's in the first film. She's like the young recruit, and now she's like the senior men- member. And you know, well, who is she mentoring? But you know, we instead of uh, you know someone who's doe eyed like her, it's just it's Storm. You know, it's uh, it's Sister Deborah, who you know she has a lot of attitude. She has a lot of energy that comes in, and I just thought there was this really kind of great counterpart. And there's something about her. Being a little skeptical on faith, being on this journey of faith. I thought that there was something really, really fun with that. And because it was something we couldn't do with, with Irene. Irene had already in the first film been on her journey. of faith. She made the commitment to God. She's like full on none. She's not going back on that. So how can we take that story further? And, um, but it felt like I still wanted to have that with someone. And it feels like, and honestly, that was really with uh, Akela's first draft is, you know she's on that same journey. She's trying to, to sort out her faith and and how seriously she takes, uh, you know, the Catholic faith. And um, I mean that's that's Storm's part there. Um, with uh, with Caitlin and Anna, they were amazing. You know, they it actually started with casting them. It started strangely. Usually you cast the adult and then you go uh, for the kid. Mm-hmm. And we we found Caitlin first. We we're just oh, looking wow. for. Um, just like a great Sophie and um it's set in France and so we're first and foremost looking for for French kids and so um but we opened it up to casting like all over Europe we just we looked everywhere and everywhere and honestly she came in and she was so amazing and she was so magnetic and you, you know there was the first you see the first tape it's like basically they're posted online and you see you see it and she's just so incredibly charming but she's Irish. And I was like, okay, well, this is set in France. Do we get her mm-hmm. to do a French accent or do like, and then, it, you know, we brought her in and she was even more amazing. And she flew into, we did, we cast in London. She was like flew in from Ireland. And, and, and what was so crazy is on the flight over actually talking about what was strange is on the flight over. Um, She saw her first nun. She's never <gasps> seen a nun before oh, wow. in her whole wow. little life. And the first time she sees a nun is on the plane with her. And she was kind of like, uh, kind of terrified <laughs> she was kind of yeah, like an omen she was like is this an <laughs> omen and um and so it was just this amazing i mean that's actually the thing that the worst thing about the strike is you don't get to hear all these great stories from the yeah. amazing actors because yeah. like they have so many great they probably could tell you a bunch of creepy things but yeah she came in first and she was just amazing i was like we have got to cast this kid i don't care you know what it is we'll just say she's irish and she's she's uh you know just emigrated into you know france and so then we started looking for um, her mom and then um, and then Anna came in and Anna's English. But I was like, Anna, can you do an Irish accent? It would be really awesome <laughs> if you could pull that off. And she's amazing. She totally did. And and that was kind of that was it. And it, it was funny because when you're developing it, you think, oh, we really have to explain how they're Irish. You know, being in France, right. people are going to wonder. It'll be confusing. And there was like in, in the test audiences, there was I think like one person who was upset about the. The, the accents but generally people don't care oh, generally are yeah. like yeah. it's Europe exactly like, yeah I mean, whatever I don't even know geography that well they're <laughs> exactly. like oh it's right next they're to all it they're you know?
0: <laughs> the Boo Crew will be right back they don't live
3: in coffins or appear only at night ...or run for fear of the light. They wait and watch and strike without warning. There is no place to hide when the dead are alive. National General Pictures presents The Dead Are Alive. Starring Samantha Egger, Alex Cord, and John Marley. Victims, violence, vengeance... Behind eyes of fire, terror strikes to revenge desire. And there is no place to hide when the dead are alive. In color, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents.
1: All these characters brought out in Sister Irene, this whole new side that we didn't really get to see and explore in the first film. We get to see more of her backstory and how she's, you know, how she relates to the with the children there and the state that she's in and kind of how the stakes are raised. Can you talk a little bit about the position that she's in right now?
4: Totally, totally. You know, that was another thing that her the story of her mom was not um in that first draft. Yeah. It was actually more of like a an Easter egg, like wow. the idea that that her she has this connection and that this is a powerful connection um is uh was just kind of like uh, like a throwaway and i was asking akala about it and it was such a throwaway that i didn't quite pick up on it i was like what is this thing which i won't go into details because it might spoil it but also but i i asked akala i was like what do you mean by this like what is this thing and she was like oh it's you know the connection i was like oh that's that's crazy that's awesome that we got to make a deal with that. That is huge, and and so that's something that you know we we expanded from that um, from that point. Her story, you know what it was? It was it was that little thread that Akela said, and she was like, it was just a throwaway. I was like, we got to do something more with that. And then in the first film, she talks about her mom briefly. He taught. She talks about her dad, and it's a throwaway line about um, the her mom being. I forget exactly what it was said, uh, but basically that her mom might had something like right. this yeah. and, you know, something about her site. And I was like, that's awesome. And it didn't entirely tie in with a thing. But I was like, I think that this is something let's try and like build this out because this is really cool. And it was honestly kind of like with Rogue One where that was all like a throwaway line. Yeah. From like, you know, how they got the uh, the Death Star. Exactly. I was like, we'll this is on great. That. Let's yes. just keep on going Hear that this. story. So that was something that I, I was like, OK, let's build this out. And then that became stronger and stronger. And it was um, I really like that. I think that it um I think it really built out her character because it's, Mm. you know, it was just a little throwaway thread in that first movie. And I just thought with with all of that, both, you know, her relationship with her mom, what was her mom's story? And then also the whole Jonas thing. I just thought, you know, these are things I mean, I get sucked into these stories. Yeah. And I was like, I want to have more. I want to see more as a fan. I want to get, you know, I want to see, you know, dig deeper into it. So that's how we got. Exactly.
1: And then I love the intrigue in the in the in the respect that like she's nobody knows necessarily that she's the one associated with the events of the first film. She's almost like a folk hero undercover. Totally. And that is so fun to watch. Totally. You know, to be on the the other side of that.
4: No, exactly. I mean, because that was one of those things, you know, with the Conjuring movies, they're almost kind of self-contained as their own, you know, their own stories, their own episodes. They don't really have the this kind of vital continuity is like you know one building off to the next yeah and i thought with this like this it's kind of great that you can just do that and then also like treat it as you really would if you're a nun and you hear this story first of all you're going to be skeptical you're like even as much as you believe you're going to be like was it really a demon was it did all of that really happen but it would become the stuff of folklore and i just thought that's really exciting and just the idea that she would be she's not like someone who craves attention. She's not someone who craves celebrity and she is like fully a nun. And that, I think the humility, like the, this kind of humble, yes. like life of poverty, this commitment to service. She's not going to be going out there on her book tour, like saying, I yeah. just defeated a demon. She's going to be going into the life of a nun. And there would be something very just like, uh, you know, humble about yes, that, which that's, I thought it. Was it says incredible. so
1: much about her character. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's very consistent with it. I loved, I loved it. So we got to talk about the big baddie. Yes. Right. I want to know. I mean, Bonnie Aaron's portrayal of Valak in this one is it raises it up to a level that no one's seen before. People going into this are going to absolutely eat it up.
4: Yeah, she's Bonnie's really amazing. She really, first of all, is such a wonderful person and just, you know, a great ally in making the the movie. Um, Also, just a great she really gets the genre and she really gets her character. And it's the type of role that honestly she's deserved her whole life. It's you know this, this is I mean she's been this this uh, character actor you know for most of her life, and you know one of them, she was part of one of the best jump scares of all time with uh, in Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this is honestly, I think her masterpiece. I think this character is really where she gets to show like what what she can do. And uh, yeah, you know we we just talked about. Uh, you know, obviously when she's on screen, it needs to have a lot of power. So it's, it's not something that we, we didn't want to overdo it. And we wanted to keep her share scary, kind of like the, the shark and, J- and John. Yes. Um, so, you know, she's always under the surface, but you know, the actually like, you know, when she appears, there's a certain power to that. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was one of the big things with just in terms of throttling the Valak and just using it carefully. I, one of the things that I wanted in the story, and I, I think also fans wanted it was just more just to elaborate more on the history of alec and i think that tying that in with the, the story of saint lucy i thought that could be really really cool and powerful and just make this into a, a much bigger story it, the trick with that is i think how it needs to be presented is it can't be concrete fact it, it needs to be one of these things that still it, it, the more you know something less scary gets mm-hmm. and you know the more mystery and the the more um the more you're um, the less information you get. I mean, the more you can kind of project your own fears. Exactly. So it, there was drafts of the script where I think we went into maybe too much detail on, on her. So I think it was always like writing the line. It was always like writing the line of like how much of this is fact or how much of it is just the theories, yeah. of, you know, our, our librarian character um, father Ridley and, and just throttling that.
1: What about the choreography of Valet? Cause there is yeah. something there, right? Like every, Every time she, like, grips around a corner, even, it seems very planned. Like, every finger is, like, inten- it, it, there's an intent to it. You feel it as an audience member. No, totally. can so you talk about that? No,
4: I mean, that's all Bonnie. I'm just yeah. like, Bonnie, Wow. Just be scary, be scary. Oh,
2: my gosh. She was so freaking scary. Like, there were close-ups on her face, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so scared right now. And that final scene, that Uh, was... Oh, my God. Insane. How many times did you guys have to do that?
4: Uh, It was... A lot of shooting went into that. Yeah. 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 Definitely, there was a lot of elements, elements, and we... Yeah. There's a lot of shooting went into it.
1: (sighs) It's beautiful. I know we can't talk about it, but wow. 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 What about just in general, showing the power of Valak, because we really see just how terrifying valet can be in this movie probably more than uh, any time we've ever seen the character i mean people are flying against walls with with power so severe it's unbelievable it's like intense i didn't expect that I was, holy god what's going on what were the challenges in you're bringing her power to life
4: yeah you know I, that's one of those things you always want to see something new in, yeah. in one of these movies and i you know part of it i was i was thinking about Just the different manifestations she could take. Um, And it started with the idea of like, well, we can't show her that much. And honestly, Conjuring 2 was such a great kind of debut for her. And um, when we were going into it, I I was like, you know, I want to see how much of the movie she's actually in. So I just went through the movie and I literally cut every point Bonnie's on screen. And, you know, she's on screen less than a minute. Wow. Less than a minute in that no, entire okay. movie. If you're only looking at so don't count the whole scenes, but just like when you're looking at Bonnie's face, it's it's like something like, like 50 odd seconds. No way. Yeah, it's so small, but she has such a big impact. Yes. It really goes, and you don't really think about it. You're thinking, oh, maybe she's in there for five minutes, but no, less than a minute. And so it goes to show like what an incredible, like how your mind projects her just into the shadows, into these other oh, spaces. Yeah. And so you, I was like, that's a great lesson right there. Let's be really smart about that. But she needs to be able to make appearances. We can't always be just looking at the shadows. So I was just thinking, well, how can we uh, other ways we can bring her to life? And one of the 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 ideas I brought to the table is just the idea. Grown up Catholic, I love altar. boys. Well, (laughs) I love the idea of altar boys. Yeah, there's something creepy about it. Um, I don't love altar boys. That's the thing to cut out. (laughs) And this began the investigation, not only into those two murders,
0: but also into what did he mean by that?
4: Growing up Catholic, okay, it's a pattern. It's a pattern that we got to get to the bottom of. Maybe this is good. Maybe you leave this in. No. So um, I was like. Because I was like, okay, you know the nun is this this you know we we do this blasphemous twist on her James did this incredible you know creation of making this blasphemous twist on, on a nun with uh with with Valak. what if we did the same thing with a um with an altar boy and um I, I just thought, okay, that's a cool image right there and the, that she, he's kind of you know summoned to be his, her little minion I was like God, oh, that's gonna be fun and and then I started looking and there's this great um this great street photography of of this altar boy in Spain in the 30s, and it's like in a funeral procession p- Oh wow! Possession, procession. I
1: was there's that. Possession. There's that word again. Was, there's that word again. I can't even. can't <laughs> we even. Can't keep even. It. Yeah. <laughs> I have the problem. Here. It was a possession that
4: had a procession, <laughs> procession behind it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they used to do it back then. Um, no, so it was uh, it was this funeral p- uh, procession, and um, I should uh, dig up the photo and just send it over to you guys if you oh, like. Putting to see it. it was so. Amazing because there's he's got a thurible, which are those things that hold the insides yep. and there's smoke coming out of that. But the street is covered in smoke and it's in the th- 30s, 40s. Basically, it's 30s, 40s Spain. The The whole picture looks creepy and magical and just amazing. So it's like, "Ooh, that's it. Like that would be that's the vibe. We got to give it a thurible. And I was like, how can we weaponize a thurible? So then it kind of went from there. Um, but that was one of the kind of manifestations I was like, OK, that's going to be in the um, that's going to be in the movie. Then we had the goat demon, which was just that, uh, you know, you guys um, saw, which I think was it was one of those things that, you know, I, I went back and watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. And um, just because I know that was a big inspiration for Corin, And I was like, OK, what are those things that I love about it? And I love the practical effects of that bat yes. creature because that bat creature was just it stuck with me. I think more than anything in that movie and it's just it's so high impact and so scary and I just was like I want to have like something like that that's all practical and we found this amazing actor AJ from also from England and um, he was just this uh, really athletic stunt performer and we did these uh, auditions and he even built his like these little arm extensions and he just brought this incredible ferocity to to the performance And I was like, oh, my gosh, he looks scary just running around like that. Like, he's got this crazy energy. And I'm like, we we get him. We just get some amazing makeup on it. And it just he took that that character to life. I mean, it was and it's great having that on set, not just like I mean, everyone, you know, obviously practical effects are amazing whenever you can do it. But like the thing that everyone it's not even just what you're shooting it's also just how the actors respond to it that's especially with a horror movie especially with kids like they were terrified like everyone gets terrified when he comes on set because he's making his like snorting and deep breathing and you're just like oh shit (laughs) you know and there's this great energy and like everyone feeds off that and that's you know if you just had a guy in a green suit or you just had like you know tennis balls to show where you're supposed to look, you lose that magic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's so much as much for the performance for the actors on set as it is for the audience when you're seeing it. So that was really fun. Um, And then just the other manifestations, you know, there's, you know, a couple sequences. There's one thing in France that's like unique to France that I was kind of building off of, which is this um, it's like this cultural thing. Basically, if you, people will like kind of like graffiti, they'll make faces out of, the environment so if there's oh, like there's like a manhole color c- cover with like uh, two holes somebody will will draw like a smiley face huh and so you go around like the streets of, of france and like you'll see like little like faces everywhere and it's like so amazing i was like okay that's like this cool cultural thing i was like can we build off of that can we make make her just appear in the environment and and it also felt very much in line with just the way we've seen valak in these uh in these movies where she there's something artistic about the scares there's something that almost isn't just isn't just conjuring there's almost like a little bit of like a nightmare on elm street in these yeah. sequences where there's like a visual component yeah. to it yeah um you know even the crooked man you know has this you know this you know in the you know the kinescope or yep. probably got that wrong um you know there, there's some there's this kind of f- this artistry to it and i just thought that you know i want to do more of that and it's it, it i think it's what makes that it, it's what makes valak unique and and it, it also even reminds me of back to bram stoker's dracula there's so much of that you know the shadow play on the wall there's so much of that old school horror movie um the uh, craft that goes into it. So I was like, "How can we take that further?" And so that that evolved into the newsstand sequence, which yeah. was like oh a, gosh, a, originally that was scene. that practical? Uh, it it started all practical, and then <laughs> things started to break down, and we eventually had to do. Uh, there's still practical elements in there, but they they there had to be some uh, CG uh, elements because we couldn't make the pages turn that fast yeah. and um, or line up that well. It, it became this kind of, uh, it became a little... But ridiculous. you tried it. You tried it. Oh, 100%. And there's still practical elements in there. It just, you needed CG to kind of wow. to well, take it to the next level. did you say
1: they had a setup on Santa Monica or something yeah. where they actually like recreated it? Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. That's crazy. Like, how is that done?
1: It's on a loop, right? Like, yeah. it, it, all the magazines are set up on a newsstand. Where? Santa Monica Pier? Is it? Is was where it, it is? I think it was in Venice. Venice. Is it Venice? Venice. okay, 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 okay. Yeah. okay Venice.
4: So, yeah, they basically did that. And that was um, and yeah, you could see it there. I don't know if they still have it up, but I mean, it was pretty impressive with her. And, you know, it kind of plays out how it does in the movie. But um, I was impressed that they got that because, I mean, you know, as much as they did. So, yeah, that was one of those things. And it started with that idea of of, I was like, you know, I want to do a flip book, but that's also a collage that spreads across these different pages of the magazine. How would
1: you even trigger something like that? Practically. Um, uh, demonic forces.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, what, uh, hello. I
4: mean, that's one of the days we didn't bless the set because we needed all the demonic forces. Still didn't have enough Man. really because of labor issues. There was just, they have their own union. Um,
1: you, ta- I was just going to say geographically and architecturally, it's breathtaking just to be inside the places you put the audience in. And your longtime cinematographer, Tristan Nyby, capture them and let us really marinate inside each of these frames in such a cool way. What sorts of things does Tristan bring out in you as a creative partner?
4: Yeah, I've worked with Tristan for for years. I've known him forever. And you know he shot the Billie Eilish video that I did. Oh, he shot okay. the Maiden, my um, short film. And um, so long friendship and collaboration that goes back there uh the you know the other person that as we're talking about the visuals and we're talking about the world stefan croissant who was um my production designer he absolutely needs a call out here and it was honestly the really that that trifecta i mean he was so essential in like in in bringing these visuals together and he's a french production designer and um my first time working with him but he has done so many movies he's been a an art director on on everything from like uh dunkirk and the the last wes anderson movies and just like really talented guy and and this is him working as a production designer and i think having a french production designer really brought a lot to it and he just kind of kept me you know really honest a lot of what with everything we just started with a lot of um looking through old photos like Mm. just looking through photos of the period because i was like i want to I really want to nail the period. I really, you know, we haven't been alive in the fifties. And so um, the, I was like, let's, I really want to feel like we're transported there. So that became, that was one of the, like the core where we started. And then from that, um, you know, he was really great in just guiding us with the finding great locations and, and um, just incredible places to set it. Um, the, uh, you know, so I think that's the best thing about shooting in France. is like, you know, every, like a new building there is a hundred years old yeah you know beyond yeah. That, and then it just gets older and it goes back to like you're like walking on top of like roman ruins and it's there's so much texture there and so you can just build off of that you can build off that texture and that's one of the things that i really i love in horror movies is there's so much like the the movies that i grew up on and the movies that i love it's they, they have this great texture and i wanted to get that in the in the movie and tristan absolutely you know it's like you know having the locations isn't enough you got to have someone who can light it and shoot it and i I, one of the things that i love about tristan is he really he really and one of the big mantras that we had was like let's keep it real we're like going back to old photos let's try and like make it feel like we're in a boarding school in france in the 1950s let's try and make it feel like we're really there one of the things with with tristan he we were really about big about um using natural lighting Mm -hmm. and just making it look as it's not not like a movie you know it's so easy to, uh, to to light it like a movie and to even with night that's one of those things that it's incredibly once you start looking at it like it's so obvious movies that have nighttime movie lighting and it for me watching a horror movie it's like sometimes you have to do it because it's this it's this conundrum because okay well it would be almost too dark to see so you need to see something but just drawing that line of like dark but not too dark um and how do you motivate that? How do you bring light into these settings? How, how is it you're not just looking at a blank screen? <laughs> and, you know, that's always this careful balance. Um, and I really I'm really happy with where we got because it really there's a lot a lot of it's lit, lit by like practical lighting. And I think that that just that brings you into the, the movie. It just makes it feel like this is real.
1: Yeah. And it's very it makes it very unique from all the other movies, uh, movies in the Conjuring universe as well. You know, the way you guys do it. I also want to talk about something very unique to the Conjuring universe. I believe that this is the first time Marco Beltrami has been brought in to score something in the Conjuring universe. Is this true?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Marco's wow. amazing. And, you know, I've, um, I really enjoyed working with him. He's obviously, you know, has great, uh, great legendary, um, you know, resume with yeah. like the scream movies exactly. and, uh, you know, but, uh, he can go beyond that with like, you know, uh, Ford versus Ferrari and just like all the amazing things that he does. So, He was great. He was great to work with. And then um, we, you know, we really just wanted to make something that had. It's so easy to go really big with these scores, especially, I think, the natural inclination with you're doing this kind of big Catholic horror movie is to bring out, you know, big. You know, choir or something that's kind of, you know, we've heard a lot of times. It's kind of fun to listen to, but it's like sometimes it feels a little bit too over the top. And again, too much like a movie. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking, let's just try and anchor it. Let's try and make it feel um, as relatable as possible. And I think, you know, for some of it with with the nuns, we were even talking about like, well, what are the instruments that that speak to the nuns? And we started talking about like violins and stuff and um, the idea or like fiddles. And I just love the idea of I was like, I want it to feel humble, like I don't want it to feel like all grandiose because there was there was a kind of a a line in the movie that didn't end up working out. So we cut it. But this idea that, um, you know, when the, the nuns are like together and they're telling their story. Um, that they have this kind of little catchphrase which is like the nuns do all the work the priests get all the credit which is something that I always thought was kind of like awesome and it didn't quite fit in the tone of the movie or in that scene but it's like the idea that the nuns are these like foot soldiers of the Catholic Church that yes. they are the ones who just do all the work and they don't get any of the credit they don't they're never going to be the Pope they're never going to get promoted up and and then you see like then even the like the legend of Father Burke it's like you know he's promoted he becomes Bishop or something like the idea that it's like there's there's plenty of room for promotion for all the guys in the catholic church but the nuns have got to do the dirty work they're the ones who are doing the hard work and so i just like i loved that idea and i i you know i think that he did a really nice job of like weaving that in with more just humble instruments Mm -hmm. you know stuff that you can just feel like it, it tells their story you know
1: yeah 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 all right okay we're wrapping it up here but two more quick questions did you keep anything without spoiling anything did you keep anything
4: oh you know what the one thing that i wanted to keep i i don't i don't have i oh. think that, i think it got pulled away before i could grab it okay 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 i took the chalice from conjuring Three. Oh, that was one that's, that's thing, awesome because i was like yeah, that was i loved the design of that yes. and i was like oh my gosh I, that needs to be part of my collection but um yeah no i didn't uh no there was like a bunch of little things it's so funny i didn't take um one of the
1: key items well maybe we'll get to see it in like the warner brothers archives yeah, exactly like, i'll see you tours. next time i'm here you will get it like <laughs> an auction you know yeah, who, knows, right? <laughs> who knows we're looking for it okay so moving forward this movie's gonna command a sequel it's gonna be a yes. smash i mean i'm just predicting the future here have you thought about where to take it or do you have to kind of get out of the way for what's coming next what james has in store i mean if he's got this whole plan you know,
4: I um, I've actually talked with the actors about things that you know could happen. I mean, de- the the great thing is knowing where it's going. You know, you know that it will it will lead to this fateful exorcism with the Warrens. So I think that that was something that was always really exciting, and I think it's like, um, uh, throttling that timeline about you know how quickly we get to that event was always the one of the big debates, and it yes. was it was interesting because actually that was one of the things. Well, I wonder if I how much I should actually say. I'm going to, I'm going to put a pin in that. You got it. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, it, there was definitely, there's always discussion with that. And, you know, honestly, I started as fan of this, con- of this, uh, franchise and, it's been one of the greatest pleasures just being a part of it. I, uh, I we really love enjoyed that you're a so part much. of it,
1: man. What you bring yeah. to it is extraordinary. And anything else that we can watch for you, a project or anything else coming out uh, beyond this? You know, there's a couple of things I don't know if I uh, can talk
4: about it. Sure. Right now, but but yeah. that's exciting. That's yeah. it, no, in, in the horror yeah. vein? I love the horror space. Honestly, I, I only want to be making horror movies and coming back here to yes. you, talk to Hell you about it with yeah. you guys. Yes. <laughs>
1: Hell yeah. You should do another Billie Eilish video, too, by the way.
4: Oh, I would My love to. God. You know,
1: she's, she's directing
4: her own. Uh, uh, videos, You know, she's, she's honestly so talented. It was like, uh, she's a very talented
1: uh Oh, yeah, yeah. Artist, no, it's, it's amazing, amazing. All right, okay, you got anything else before we go?
2: No, I know we got to wrap, but everybody listening, make sure you stay through the end, through the credits.
1: Yes, go see it. You're going to have the time of your life. So congratulations on The Nun 2. Opens in theaters. Only in theater September 8th, all right? So grab your friends. Have an amazing time. Michael, thank you so much again for stopping by. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 398. Thank you for being the most important part of it production tracks for this one provided by the good folks at Powerman 5000. Till next time, from myself, Trevor, Lauren, and Leo, it is the Boo Crew saying sweet screams.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leo The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Chen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Chen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye.